0: I have one of them because they're not part of he's not part of us he's he's the face of white supremacy remember that clip y'all played some time ago about that district attorney elder yeah he's the black face of white supremacy it's like oh okay
1: but you know what you get that that can make sense only in a world that has lost its metaphor right right but, that can only make sense in that world. I was like, What are you talking about? That would have never made sense to anybody 60 years ago,
0: no, you know, 80 no. years
1: ago, 100 years ago. If you would have said something like that, the black face or white supremacy, people would have said, You are an idiot. Right. <laughs> Nobody would have tolerated that type of language at all. Okay, so go ahead, especially Jessica.
2: when it's a man that's like literally on the Supreme Court. Yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, white white supremacy, there's no opportunity for black men in this country. He's on the Supreme Court and he's every he undoes every everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so I want we've been talking for a little bit, trying to get some details ironed out. I think we've got him ironed out. And we are finally control, that's okay. I mean, we just called it an unplugged event sponsored by Family Action Council in association with Cross Politic and Lore TV. Uh, and, you know, and, and you got to add, of course, Dr. Grant's podcast in there, Reformation and Reform or Reform and Reformation. My dyslexia. It's on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. <laughs> Type in George Grant, Reformation and Reform. I listen Ref- to him constantly. Reformation
2: and Resistance, I think. Resistance Resistance and, Re- resistance. Resistance and Reformation.
1: See, you don't know either.
2: Yeah, something like that. I listen to I'm it, too, Google. though. It's one of my favorites.
1: I know, and I don't ever think... It's like, all I know is George Grant's podcast. And yeah. so I'm listening. That's all I know. And all he does is tell amazing stories. I, you know, he just tells, like, for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, just great stories. And so um, we've, you know, because of uh, David, uh, we have David Fowler here from Family Action Council. He's encouraged us to... We talked about on the show before, Jason, about doing some sort of an event, with uh, a Knox Unplug that can be more interactive and more engaging, um, so that our we get a lot of emails from people uh, after we get done, and I try my best to communicate from the audience's position uh, to understand what you're saying. But even so, I don't do well enough after I look at the emails. Like God, it, that was a good question. Why didn't I think of that one then? And we just we don't want to be gnostic ourselves, and so we've just been trying to figure out a way to bring Knox Unplug to people outside of the podcast and because of david fowler we are finally going to do that on may 13th and tent nashville tennessee at uh, uh, a parish presbyterian church so it will be george grant david fowler myself and last but not least jason farley and we haven't got a title yet but if you listen to this show, you already know that the title is going to have something to do with metaphysics, cosmology and law and baptizing babies. So <laughs> there's, whatever, whatever, we don't even need a title. You just know it's going to be all those things. But we were working through titles earlier. And this is kind of some of the titles that we have for the speakers that we want to talk about. So, again, let me just talk about the event. Uh, guys, And jump in here. I'm just talking a lot. Jump in here. Is there anything you want to say? Uh, But the event is going to be just like the show. It's going to be unplugged. It's going to be raw. The difference is you're going to be there and you're going to be able to engage with questions the same way I do. We want to have an interactive, engaging audience where the relationship and communication is reciprocal. And so we are going to have planned topics that we want to engage in. And we want you to converse with us. And so Jason, you're going to be talking on the cosmological revolution of modernity. Right. So um I want you to just give a little taste of don't, don't go for three hours because we ain't got that,
2: <laughs> but I, um just to focus in on the way modernity didn't come in. It came in as a whole new view of, the, what kind of place this was and therefore what kind of creatures we are um and so i I mean I want to focus in on the the um, the early modernist um, literary theorists and poets and show how they some of them were sounding the alarm hey this is dangerous stuff um, but most of them had once they had bought into, the new view of the universe um that it was a that it was a tragic place that it was a place without a metaphysic um that that where it was it had a nihilistic metaphysic um and that uh the old metaphor systems were all um lies or tricks um tricks that evolution played on us um that 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 shifted the fundamental way that we interact with one another and see one another um, and turned us into, um, it turns us into rivals and turns us into uh, uh, gorillas and or Machines, zombies, go zombies, <laughs> yeah, ma- go goes, ha- go haunted machines, something like that. So, yeah. you get mm-hmm. you get different metaphors, go um, haunted gorillas, uh, you get uh, but but that's that's what I want to focus in on, um, and just talk about why it's so important that um, we actually resist at the cosmological level, we resist modernity, mm. um, so.
1: Yeah, and we're not you know, we're, we're our resistance right now isn't at a cosmological level, which is why we're failing mm-hmm. so bad. You know, I just while you yeah. were talking, I came up with a title. You guys tell me that we could we don't have to vote on this one, but I was thinking of freeing people from the cosmological prison of modernity.
2: <laughs> I like that. Title I was thinking It's Puritanical. Yeah, it is it is. I cause I was thinking something like when the metaphors die or something like that, you know, would it that as a title or something like that, but
1: I like Uh, that, though. I like it, too. David, um, you're a legal guy here. And, man, you have probably been one of the larger encouragement of the show uh, that we get constantly. Um, And so so grateful for you. And so when you reached out to say you want to put on this event, you you didn't care if you were a part of it or not. But I couldn't imagine doing it without you because I've learned so much from you, um, from common law, about common law, and about the Ninth Amendment. And I've realized we've not, you know, you know, Jason's taught me that I haven't been very literate and that we're not a literate culture anymore. And then reading and understanding how you're teaching on the Ninth Amendment has proven that because it's right there. You don't even I mean, if you can count one, two, three, four, uh, uh, if you can count, you, you, you can get up to 10 before you're like, I don't know what comes after that, but you at least get to nine. And But we haven't been able to get through our amendments at all to be able to read them well outside of the second. And there's a lot that is important for the family that's in the ninth and for our legal system. And so, you know, your topic, um, cosmological revolution in law, which is building right off of Jason's topic. And so yeah. just a little bit of what that means and what you hope to um, talk about there.
0: As I was listening to Jason, I just thought, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to talk about, except law. Um, because literally what's taken place in the law beginning in the late 1800s uh, has been a complete cosmological revolution. In other words, the understanding of the world and the way it works, the nature of the world, cosmology, is completely different now from what it was uh, under the Western legal tradition and up to the founding of our country and actually into the late 1800s. So as Jason was talking, I was reminded with all the stuff going on right now with transgenderism and drag queen shows, it was Abraham Kuyper in 1898, you know, what 130, 25 years ago, uh, came to Princeton seminary and said modernism, which you were just using that word modernism substituted to cosmology. Modernism will not rest until it has made woman man and man woman. Literally, those words are in his first lecture because he saw that a cosmological shift was taking place. And if the Princeton seminarians did not understand it, grasp it, and address it, then we would wind up with with one uniform understanding, all concepts of Trinitarian economic function, distinctions, differentiation would be lost. It would be one uniform thing for everybody in every sphere. And, and that worldview was and, and that cosmological revolution. We don't know it took place, but on June 26th in 2015, when the United States Supreme court issued its decision, you know, Bergefell versus Hodges on same-sex marriage, the cosmological revolution was completed, and and so the old concept of a universe that God's created and man and woman are the centerpiece of it, and that's the metaphor, the world, the world in miniature, as as it was said, I think, by even Aristotle, uh, Boethius. Uh, I was reading him the other day. Calvin quoted him. Human beings were the world in miniature. We were the spirit and we were the matter. That metaphor is now dead. It's meaningless. And so, the, as Jason would put it, the metaphor that informed the law and how we think of law doesn't exist anymore. So all of our efforts today to stop these bad things are actually not stopping them, won't stop them for long because um, they actually embrace the modern cosmology and have no interest in restoring a right cosmology that would have an enduring positive effect. So so what's been frustrating to me is I feel like most of the Christian political engagement today in law and public policy is, is, is in vain. It, it will have temporary yeah. short-term maybe positive effects but um and and what's amazing to me as i've thought about it the rejection by christians of common law and i'm talking about from pastors to lawyers to lay people to politicians the rejection of returning to common law concepts is a rejection of restoring a biblical cosmology Mm. It is saying we don't want God's cosmology to govern us, because that's what it was grounded in, and they don't understand the cosmology they're accepting in its place has no place for God. Has no okay. Place okay,
1: for God. okay. 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 Stop. Stop. You're doing too much. You're giving too okay. much. you give okay. him, You can't have a conference here right now.
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. you yeah. were warning Jason about not going on for an hour or two.
1: <sighs> it's my mouth. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: I mean. It, okay. It's- so. It, ahead, I was going to say, it's like when you go in and you try and convince a church that it should build a cathedral. It says, that, why would we build a cathedral? That doesn't make any sense. It's because we don't believe we live in a cathedral anymore. The same sort of way when we go and we fight for laws, we say, well, let's restore common law. I say, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's we right. don't live in the kind of world that ha- that that common law would reflect well. Right. yeah.
1: Okay, so why is it that when you think about, and I'm not trying to poo-poo anybody else. I mean, because does conference, everybody does conferences. I'm not mad at that. But why is a conversation of cosmology one that is not being had right now in our culture? I don't see a lot of people having this conversation. I see everybody um, having the conversation about laws and Christian nationalism. But no one's having the conversation really on cosmology. Uh,
2: I I think it's because the... The way they went after the cosmology in the early 1900s, late 18, early 1900s, was by convincing the church to be embarrassed of the cosmology of the scriptures and of the Middle Ages, that that's an embarrassing fact in the Bible. So they didn't argue against it in a direct way. They argued against it in that it's shameful to hold to a world a worldview or a view of the world, a cosmological view of the world in which it all holds together in which you can have an optimistic view of this place in which mankind is a microcosm that man being the head of woman is a microcosm of salvation. And I was just reading numbers 30 uh, in my Bible reading yesterday morning. And I was thinking, this is one of the passages that because of our cosmology we're embarrassed of where it says, If a wife makes a vow and the husband hears it, it, he can cancel it out. We're immediately embarrassed and we start getting defensive because they've gone after the cosmology. So rather than saying, hey, Adam could have rescued his family if he had heard Eve make that and immediately cancel it. And this makes it so that Christ can cancel out our vows that we made with death because we're his bride, right? Like this is, this is a cosmological, this is a law that reflects a cosmology of grace, a cosmology of power used to defend the weak. Right. And, but we am, mm. are embarrassed of it immediately. And, and when you read the, uh, the attacks on the cosmology in early modernity, never, they never, they don't argue that one is more beautiful. They don't argue that one is more reasonable that one makes sense they argue that one is shameful to hold um that you should be embarrassed by the ways that you've embraced it and and so i think we have we don't have a defense of that because we don't know we don't know what to do with
0: you should be ashamed of yourself we don't know what to do with that well you know a lot of that came to a head here in what the nineteen. was it 1930s with the Scopes trial in Dayton, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where J uh, William Jennings Bryan got all embarrassed on the stand and made a fool of by the ACLU attorney and Clarence Darrow. And we just sort of retreated, you know, actually, one of the things that's interesting in history there is that if I understand correctly, the Presbyterian church at that time was getting ready to go after, um, Was it Fosdick maybe in New York uh, as a heretic? And they decided to study it further and then all the scope stuff came out. And then it was too embarrassing to really get rid of him uh, on, on some of the grounds they were going to use. And it just died. Um, But, but you know, the, interestingly, as I read, I, I think, I think what happens is we, we let, the other side get away with too much. Like Richard Dawkins the other day uh, was is all over Fox News and Breitbart that he had said to Pierce Morgan on his show that science shows there are only two sexes. And all this talk, you know, and uh, about J.K. Rowland and gender identity, it's errant nonsense. And, I, and you know, I, I tepidly, kindly said, I, I wish Billy Graham or Franklin Graham he said, I agree with him 100%. It's what the Bible says. We're made in the image of God, male and female. He created them. And I thought, the image of God is more than male and female. And and this guy has produced the cosmology that makes sense of transgenderism. Right. Why didn't we? Right. He say, you need to. Right. Read what you <laughs> right. Because. Uh, Okay. Now, the transgender person recognizes there's a disconnection between the subjective who I am and the objective of who I am, the spirit and the matter. And they think, well, I can just be born again by cutting off various body parts. And, and you know, that should have been a great opportunity to put Dawkins in his place to say, don't you dare say this is errant nonsense. It makes perfect sense. And In, in, in your view of the world, yeah. Yeah, what's you, nonsense? World, you created what's this nonsense? world. Why are you complaining about it? So So we got
1: George Grant who's going to – Yeah, we totally missed the opportunity, but we're not going to miss him come May 13th. We're not going to miss those opportunities then. Uh, George Grant is going to be there with us as well, and we didn't even give him a topic. He can just come and say whatever he wants to say, when he wants to say it, how he wants to say it. (laughs) Although um, I'm sure he's going to be pretty loaded, although there is – saint brendan i i hadn't heard this but jason you said this started really with hearing something from george grant on saint brendan
2: yeah so i think it was 2001 2002 somewhere around there um, i sat sat in on a lecture that george grant gave on saint brendan and he tells the story of saint brendan and then in the q a afterwards i remember exactly where i was i remember what the room smelled like um somebody said Dr Grant is the story true? And he said does it matter? <laughs> and they said well it it matter yeah it, it matters of course it matters. Then he said then what do you mean by true? <laughs> and and I, and I was like oh Oh, what do you mean? Because he said, this is our story. This is one of our stories. This is one of the stories that formed us as a people. We learned uh, you know, the, um, what it meant to be a missionary from this poem. And so when you ask the question, yeah, but is it true? The answer is, well, yes, it's true. This is what a missionary looks like. Um, and you have bought into a different definition of true um, by by say, by saying, well, but, you know, he talks about, you know, he, he talks about going through giant green castles. What does that really mean? What does it really mean? What does this really mean? And you've bought into a scientific cosmology that, um, that you think of as more important than your literary heritage, because it's a poem, right? You judge the truth of a poem a different way than scientific means. And that, it busted my categories and it and it started the process of the rebuild for myself cosmologically on when you say when you ask the question um is it true are you asking is it a true poem is it true science is it true history right you you have to actually approach knowledge within the categories that you use for that kind of knowledge and um, and I didn't realize that I was a rationalist, right? I didn't realize that at that moment it revealed to me that I was a rationalist, um, and uh, that I had oh, I was only accepting truth that was deductively reasoned and through mathematical concepts, um, and I didn't I had didn't know that until that Q and A. So um, it it shifted my
0: life. You know when you okay. say that. I'm reminded of you saying this, that, that we're made of words that the universe is made of words. And we'd say, no, it's made of molecules, atoms, yeah, you know, protons, electrons. And, and you know, that's what we're made of. No, we're, we're made of words. And we'd say, well, that's not true. And we'd say, well, according to the Bible, it is true. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if you can't believe that you're not going to believe the gospel.
2: Right. Or, or the power of God to continually remake us by That's his right. word, which is what he tells us. That's right.
0: Yeah, We're not okay, going to give
1: away the... Not remade, but stop it. Okay. Stop it. You guys are going to give away the whole farm. We just... you got to at least make them think there's something new to come to the conference for. Listen, this is a one-day event. It's May 13th. At Parish Presbyterian Church, it should be up on the Fight Laugh Feast um, website. So fightlaughfeast.com. You can go there and get your tickets. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, Family Action Council and David Fowler have been super kind. We originally wanted to do the tickets at $50, and David insisted that we lower the price so that we can get the 50 people there that we wanted to be there. So it's $30 to get in. And and what is it? Thirty-four individuals 50 and fifty-four couples. Couple. Yeah.
0: yeah. So
1: um, we're trying to make sure that this is an event that you can come and um, be rebuilt. I've and since I've been doing Knox Unplugged and read, uh, God by the grace of the Holy Spirit has, through the preaching and the conversations that we've had on the show, Jason preaches on me all the time. My cosmology has affected every aspect of my life. Every aspect to thing, and, and I don't just mean that I do more Christian things. I do, I do more Christian things with great joy, though. Right, and so <laughs> it's it's you know I feel like oh my goodness I, I don't know if you guys ever remember the old uh, Batman with uh, uh, what's his Adam, name is
2: Adam July. West. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the no, not that one. That, not that, was the newer, not that newer far back. That. <laughs> newer than that. <laughs> Yo, Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson is the Joker.
1: Yeah, and he has a line where he, he sees himself in the mirror after he turns to the Joker. He's like, "Wait till they get a load of me." I'll boast it in Christ, though. I've 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 been so grateful to have a reestablished understanding of the cosmos, and all of my theological categories fit in and. In, um, come together with more harmony after I've understood that and becoming more literate, I have a poetry of the world where things aren't in conflict as they would seem, they're much more unified. And so now I know, I feel like I'm, I'm a man of Issachar. I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know how it's going to work and I'm not afraid of the time crunch that we have in order to accomplish something. So when things look super crazy and super insane, men are just like women, sports are going nuts, nations falling apart. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is, if I'm faithful, do the things that I'm supposed to do, serve God in that, cultivate my garden with the sword and a trowel, the outcome of that is going to have an impact where I'm at locally. And, you know, so just, and, and seeing that have an effect in a short amount of time has been amazing. And the fruitfulness that is given to my family, the joy it's given to our feast and to our family worship time, I can't say enough about how important having a biblical cosmology is. And a lot of times we don't even know that we don't have one, but <laughs> right? it's one of those, it's kind of like um, uh, bitterness. Somebody else has to point it out to you. You don't naturally just run across your own bitterness it's usually pointed out by somebody who's close to you and say, like, man, you feeling pretty salty about that, aren't you? You're like, no, I'm just talking. No, you salty, bro. Yeah, right. You real salty. You're like, am I? And then you have to go and examine it and look at it, you know, and, and God has to reveal it to you. And bitterness isn't something that you just, you know, it hides underneath good intentions. It hides underneath. And cosmology is invisible it doesn't you don't see its operating principles until you're down the road and somebody has to point out with oh you don't believe this about God's world I don't I never thought about that and then you start seeing wow there's a lot of things that are broken about what I do because I have a bad cosmology and so I can't talk about how important a biblical cosmology is and there's so many things attached to that so registration on the 13th is at 8:30 Everything will start at nine a.m. Um, again, the cost is thirty dollars for to get in. We only have room for fifty. If there's an overflow, we'll figure out what we can do. Right, Mister Fowler?
0: <laughs> yeah, we we we. But the folks that pay get first first dibs on getting to ask questions and interact. You know, that's. They, they I, I wouldn't talk about people
1: them. coming who ain't paying. Oh, Everybody got oh. pay to be there. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh.
0: oh, okay, okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, yeah. everybody gotta pay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah okay. But See, thirty dollars though. that's... <laughs> what'd
0: you say? You think entrepreneurially? I think nonprofit. That's just my word. <laughs> <You> know,
1: <laughs> but we want to. We want the thing is is that we want to be able to be a blessing to Family Action Council yeah. since they're sponsoring the event, and yeah. and so that we can do a lot more of these. We want to. I want to do Dallas. I want to do Florida. I want to do Minneapolis. I want to do you know. Uh, Houston. I want to be able to do a a lot more. New York, California. I think, you know, not trying to do big conferences, do little small hubs, plant little seeds and let God bless those. You know, if 50, you know, families show up, 50 heads of households, and that would be huge. Yeah. And then, you know, we do we go to Dallas and do, do it there, too. And uh, it's a blessing. That's why we're trying to keep it small and intimate. That way we can have conversation back and forth and work through some theological issues and the effects and outcomes of cosmology that you're working through and you're dealing with. Um, and it's amazing how, again, once this gets ordered right, it, it takes you from thinking of it like a cog in the machine to playing in a symphony, Exactly. where you're doing your thing and you're in it and it's, and, and it's all blending together with everybody else and, and it's, a, it's a whole different um, way of thinking that has an effect on every aspect of your life. So, did I miss any details? Jason Farley, David Fowler, George Grant, myself, um, I think, I like this topic, the world ends when the metaphor dies. That, I like that. So, um, May 13th, In Nashville, get your tickets at fightlifefeastnetwork.com. Tell all your friends. I got some emails. I'm going to tell you right now, at least a third of that is filled up with emails. And I haven't looked at them in a week. So if you've been waiting, I'm going to send you an email today to let you know you can go and register now. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Um, Bring your questions. Bring, Bring a a Pad and pen for a book list. I'm sure there's going to be <laughs> a lot of books to get tossed out. Um, and and you know, I'm, I'm encouraging Jason, and uh, I'm sure Dr. Grant will have his own form of poetry too. And um, David, I just expect you to bring a whole bunch of common law, but I mean, I want some. You were going to be working through poetry, yeah. You yep. know, there's a lot of poetry, and working to read poetry has a lot to do with expanding your cosmology and getting it right. So I look forward to seeing everybody there. This is the shortest Knox plug we've probably ever done. And so that's because I'm, and I got to apologize. I've been out of town on work. So Jason has been re- good to go, but I just haven't been in town. So forgive me. And you're not getting a typical show today. This is just a promo. So I got to go back to work. So <laughs> um, anything else I'll leave out, guys?
0: No, and listen. Doctor Grant's my pastor, so don't worry, guys. I'll coach him up good. So yeah, <laughs> you make sure you get him ready
1: for the event. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: so, we'll see again, y'all. It's
1: gonna, it's gonna be real laid back. It's gonna be yes. just like Knox Unplugged and um, very interactive because we want to have, we want to be bound together. I was, I was telling Jason, we were talking about how people get tied together at music events. And one of the ways that Jason brought up to me, he's like, you know, when you go to like something that's hip hop or something that's even jazz or has drums, you watch how everybody sways together and they're all unified by that rhythm, you know, and that's in the cosmology has the same way when you're locked Mm -hmm. into it, right? Everybody starts swaying together and they're on the same beat and it becomes a choir and it's beautiful to see 10,000 people moving like that. And you're like, wow, not only is that powerful and scary, but it's also beautiful. Yeah. And so that's hoping I'm hoping that we can help generate some of that by doing little versions of what we do on the show live in places like Tennessee, Texas, and so on and so forth with just fifty people. That's our goal. That's what we can do. That's what God's given us authority to be able to work on. And what'd you say, like Jason?
2: The, like the opening of the second uh um Pirates of the Caribbean, where all the pirates are waiting to be hung, but they start stomping in unison and you realize, oh, It's the end of an empire. (laughs) (laughs) We want to be
0: those pirates stomping in unison. That's right. Facts. All right.